everybody needs somebody. Everybody can kind of go through some different things. And somebody just, sometimes people just want to hear, I'm sorry, I messed up. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Everyone has a story. I get them to tell it. Welcome to the Aaron Bender Podcast. Conversations with media personalities about their personal and professional lives and journeys. Thank you so much for joining us today on IGTV, YouTube, DB&A TV, or your favorite podcast platform. Before we get to my conversation with DJ Severe, a little about my story. I'm a widowed dad of two girls who just lost their mom, a grieving husband, a man in recovery trying to reconnect with the world with fresh eyes, faith, and perspective, a college journalism professor, a white guy in a world of injustice, a 20-year broadcast media veteran who had his dream job and then lost it. Nearly two years ago, God gave me a gift, an opportunity to stop, step back, and breathe so I can learn about love, vulnerability, forgiveness, grace, self-care, patience, and understanding. DJ Severe is the resident DJ at Dodger Stadium and the man at the top of Rose City Sound. We talk about fatherhood, being able to admit and learn from our mistakes, and how music is at the center of it all. My real first memory of music is always sitting in the back of my dad's Trans Am, riding up. He used to take me on trips all the time, family trips. My, actually, my stepfather, and we were not knowing where we're going, but then just earth, wind, and fire playing in the 8-track and then just, like, discovering, but just, you know, sitting back. I can't even picture it, but just sitting back, just seeing myself in the back seat. you know what I mean? Yep, and, yep. You know, Trans Ams don't really have, didn't really have a side window, so you're just in there, um, in your seat as a little kid, and the music is just playing. You don't know what you're listening to, but just, like, it's just magic. It's just the feeling, the, just that that just feeling of like, okay, I I like this. This feels yes. good. I like this. It definitely feels good. And then also discovering his um, vinyl collection, like which we have, and then just going through records and reading liner notes, and then just being just so mesmerized. with at the time, back in the seventies, eighties, where double album covers, you just open them up to a whole yeah. this world, and then just as far as DJing, um, so my first ever attempt at DJing was for a friend, and this is after this is right when CDs started coming around, like in the '90s, and just collecting, being a, having a collection on that first hundred tower CD that oh yeah, you know, CD rack. That, <laughs> and I think so, I had I think I had a fifty. It yeah, was either like fifty or seventy-five. But yeah. As soon as I, but you know how you see him and you're like, oh, that's a hundred. Like I gotta like fill that thing up. Yes. So um, I had a buddy who uh, was having a party in the middle of the hood, on Van Ness. Like I'm talking deep in the hood, and I told him I could I could DJ, and I actually DJed my first party with two CD discmans, the and a regular receiver, and I just remember being on his back porch, like crouched down, tower here, the receiver here, and I'm just DJing. I could, it's one of in those those, those uh, houses in the hood, like you can see straight through from the back door, like, like into the living room. Yep. And I just remember seeing all these people like just partying and swimming. It's just, and then like a couple of times people would um, look out of the, the, come out to the backyard looking for the DJ and they see me down there like, you're DJing with like two discmans and a, and I'm like, yeah. And that just, that's, that was the first party I actually DJ DJ yeah. in the nineties, just for a friend before I even really thought about 
that's what I was going to do. But I used to make um, a lot of pause tapes coming up as a kid where you try to make take a song and make it longer. So you develop your timing. First of all, you learn how to um, tape over a regular tape while yep. you put the tape over the, the tops or you, or, or you stick some toilet paper in there. And so um, if you didn't have blanks, but that's the time when everybody had like Maxwell blanks. If you didn't have a blank, you just make your own. But just making pause tapes and taking songs and making them longer than what they were supposed to be, just for dancing purposes. Yeah, I, I just, I remember, you know, I remember making the mixtapes for the girlfriends and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would try, oh, man, it, I, I couldn't really afford the singles, you know, of all the songs that I liked. So I would just sit there in the radio. And when they said, you know, a song that I really wanted to record was coming up, I right. would just, I, I would just have that yes. record pause. I just, I, I would just sit there yes. for, you know, eight, yes. 10, 12, 15 yes. minutes. Yes. And then right when they come back from a commercial break, where I was like, okay, I know, I know it's coming up right now. Right. Boom. Unpause. Right. And just pray that. You try I, to get time and wisely. So you don't hear him talking. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just like, this, yeah, exactly. And, and then, and then, you know, mix the different things, you know, boys to men with shy, yes. with, uh, you know, with some Jodeci in there or, yes. Some some bone thugs with diggable planets yes, and arrested yes, development, yes, you know, just yes. trying to make these these tapes. Oh, that took me back. Yes. Oh, the yes. the just the 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 dual deck yes. boombox. Yes. Was was yes. it? And then it had a CD CD player on the top, so yes. then I could record yes. onto the tapes, and I could make yes. my. Oh, oh no, it was over. Yes. It was over. I'm yeah. I'm gonna start going on a boombox hunt too, because I want to collect boombboxes like I collect. Oh, um, that'd be nice. I, I I really want to find like. Really, really collectible boomboxes. Yeah. Com- compare that feeling you described being in that backyard and seeing everybody that first time that you were DJing at your friend's house to sitting in the, that back seat with the earth, wind, and fire. Compare those two feelings. Are, are they kind of on par with each other? You know, nostalgically, they're different now because D- when, I, when I think back to, like, I get sometimes you – only when I, we talk about it do I go back and I remember that that party to think about when I first DJing. But the feeling being in the backseat of my of my dad's car, yeah. it's there with me every day because I'm like, um, when I look at my record collection or when I look at or when I hear music or when I listen to Earth, Wind and Fire, it takes me back to to right just immediately, there. boom, immediately right there. And um, a, maybe about two months ago. Three months ago, I met Philip Bailey. He was at my barber shop, and um, so, and my barber had been telling me like, "Yeah, Philip Bailey comes in here. I cut his hair like every now and then." And so one day, I looked over and Philip Bailey. He walked in, and then I'm looking at everybody in the barber shop because nobody knows who we like. Nobody even knew who he was, and I'm going. So my barber finished me, and I walked over, and he was just sitting on the couch, on his phone, and. Um, I walked over to him and I told him, excuse me, Mr. Bailey, I just want to tell you how much, you know what I mean, you mean to me, like, musically, like, coming up. And so he stands up and he starts talking to me. And um, my father, my stepfather passed away in 2016. Mm-hmm. And one of the, another memory I have was um, he was, uh, he was um, passing away. And he was kind of like, um, wasn't really cognizant. And so um, one day I went in, the, in his room because he was at hospice at my, at, yeah. uh, my mom's. And... It was just me and him, and I played Earth. I pulled out my phone. I played Earth, Wind, and Fire, and this like smile came over his. And probably about maybe a month after that, he 
he, he passed away. But I wanted to tell Philip Bailey that story of how much that meant to me and then what um, his music meant to me, like, coming up. And he said, thank you for sharing that story with me. God bless you. And I didn't take a pick with him. Any. I just, after all that, I just walked off and that was it. But right, to be right. in the same space with Philip Bailey right then and there, that it actually um, even more rejuvenated that feeling. So now it's like when I hear certain things and I have that connection, it's just, it's just, it's incredible. Since we're talking about feelings, compare then if you could. Again, we'll go back to that first friend's house DJ right. to the first time you were DJing at Dodger Stadium. Wow. So my first time at the stadium, it was, um, I had gotten a gig, and two weeks later was the baseball classic. So um, baseball classic is, you know, when USC and UCLA come and they play the oh, college okay. game stadium. Yeah. I, I, was gonna, I was thinking the world baseball classic, but yeah, no, yeah, no just the yeah, local. So yeah. It's local baseball classic. And then so um, that was the my first time in. And I had taken my mixer, and then I hadn't even really done it yet or, like, understood what I was going to do. But I just remember sitting it down, and I got a – this is the first time I got a producer to my right. Um, and the announcer – and I'm like, okay, this is it. <laughs> You've got people. You've, I've got people – around me and I'm like I haven't done a baseball game yet okay so let's go um and I had taken my mixture and now I'm trying to translate my DJ mind to that and I'm going oh, this is way different you know what I mean the yeah. timing is different the aspect of and this is not even a Dodger game yet and so I'm like I'm sitting back and I'm going wow I'm asking myself like can I do this like is this like and I quickly got into it, but I quickly realized what I was not going to be able to do. And they already, so at the time, this is before they had bought me like a, a controller. So we're using, they were using clicks, which you know what clicks, clicks is that is the, um, is the software that lets you go seamlessly from one song to another. Right, so right. it's click. And so I quickly learned that that's what I was going to need to use in order to develop my timing first in baseball and then make it translate to my mixer like later on. So, I never, I didn't bring my mixer in probably for probably five or six more seasons. Once I got uh, really used to the clicks and the, and the different things within the Dodgers. Really, game. it took that long. Oh, it took me that long to how, how how frustrating was that? Do you feel like, or 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 maybe you you walked in with it with the right amount of patience and the right amount of humility, but just you know hearing that you know right five six seasons, how frustrating was that? You're like God, I just can't. I can't get this. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was like frustrating because I was definitely very patient. And immediately my whole mindset when I first got the job was I'm not going to come in here and change it. I'm going to slowly maneuver it. I'm going to figure out what works, what the producer likes and what the game already provides so that it's not such a shock. And then I'm going to slowly turn it and form it to what I have formed it like to now. So I just tried to be in my space, understand my space, and then just first off, because when I first started, no one was talking to me. Like none of the media talked to me. It was it was like it was crazy. Everything was surreal. Now within that, when I came to the stadium, it was the happiest place for me to be. Like yeah. every like every day, and I can remember my first two seasons actually having dreams, vivid dreams, doing that job 
in my sleep. And I'm talking like to the point where I'm like scenarios and like I'm really like doing this in my sleep. It was crazy. I was just like, I was so uh, hell bent on making it yeah. like good and going through the process. I mean, literally, it was like doing walk up songs and this and that. <laughs> was, Had was, that happened to you before where you're, you're, no, you've got never, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> Never. And I was like, I would wake up like, oh, my God, like I'm literally doing this job in my sleep. Like yeah. it was it was such a trip. It was such a trip. I but, remember the first job I had out of high school it was a retail job as a video uh, rental store. Uh-huh. And all they had me do that first night was just answer the phone. Video movies to go. How can I help you? Uh-huh. Video movies to go. How can I help you? And I, I remember vividly that night that went home, went to sleep and I I would wake up answering the phone. Right. You know, but it was just that one night, yeah. and it was because yeah. it was my first job. Dodger right. Stadium's not your first job. No, 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 no. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. And I have been, I've been even doing more critical stuff. Like I've, I've been in aerospace. Uh, I've been in aerospace industry for, since 1988. So even more critical stuff. Even more critical jobs. Even more handling different critical stuff. But that, for some reason, the intensity of that. I mean, because it's like, you know, you grow up a Dodger fan. You and coming to the stadium and now it's like okay i'm in charge of creating like the vibe here and i hadn't even realized that 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 was that was what the job was until i finally settled in and figured out i'm controlling like the vibe in here so i, I and i'm really glad that that's not what pressure was on me from the beginning because i probably would have like really like like really panicked and might, might have forced mean, it might have yes you know you're forced too, it. yeah you know one and done yeah. kind of thing yeah yeah i mean um and then like my first year after i finished my first year um had very good reception from players and at the end of the season the person who hired me got fired and then two weeks later the other person who hired me got fired so i didn't know whether i, I was going to be there or not and the dodgers it's not like they have a um uh, at the time, I exit meeting or this and that. So I had to wait until from December to March to find out if I was going back. And finally, they sat me down and said, hey, we love what you do. Although these people are no longer here, you're still with us. So that was, it's, this has been a, oh, it's a crazy ride. <laughs> crazy ride. It was a crazy ride. Like, to just to think, like, so you can you imagine every day from, like, the holiday season, waiting to get the call back in, like, in March, are you coming back? You know what I mean? After your first season. And you know you did good, and you're like, okay, well, but the people who gave me the license to do what you did, if someone else comes in, they might not want that. Anymore. Yeah, change the vibe of the stadium. The vibe. Yeah. Don't need a DJ. Yeah. Let's go back right. to Let's go back. Yeah. You know, yeah. all old yeah. school and everything. Yeah. 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 So luckily, I've survived, and it's still 13 years later, so I'm still here. Uh, in, in the booth, uh, rate from most annoying to least annoying, Todd Lights, David Vesse, Dieter Rule. Or Dave Styles. <laughs> Dave Styles. Dave Styles. Dave Styles. And Dave Styles is only there. Dave Styles is only there. Um like half the time, right? Like a half the time, like two yeah. games out of the homestand. It's funny because the only time Dave comes in the booth really is when like I'm there. So I missed a couple of games this season because I had got invited to a couple of events I needed to go do. So um and the the crew teases Dave now because once he finds out I'm not there, they don't. He doesn't go in there, and so they're like, "Oh, we know why you only come here to see the beer. You don't really come for beer." But I love Dave. We have the best. The, those are the best days. Me and him just joking, sitting back, um, laughing. Dave is the best. Um, How'd you come up with severe? 
Okay, so there's this movie. Called, I always forget the name of the movie. So uh, there's this you're movie. You're gonna make me Google. You're gonna make me Google. Okay. Yes. All right. So there's this John Leguizamo movie with Fat Joe. And wow, that is that is quite the yes. mix. Yes. John and Leguizamo it came, out, it came out probably 2001. Wow, I never remember the name of this movie. So Empire. Empire. Yes. All right. Yes. I always want to say Heat or something. I always get Six it. out of ten. What? By the way, what do you think the Rotten Tomato score is on that? It's probably a three because <laughs> it wasn't the best movie. I can tell 21% you. Twenty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So I'm I'm um up at this point, I probably have been DJing probably like or trying to DJ for like oh a little less than a year and I hadn't come up with a DJ name. And I kept telling myself, You gotta come up with a DJ name. So I went on this date and we're watching this movie and um everyone so there's five drug dealers or four drug dealers in this movie and they all have their brand of heroin that they're selling and so as they introduce them borough wise they say and this um um, his heroin is is called and it's this big reveal at the end so john leg was almost the last one and they talk about his and his was like blue and it says his 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 brand is called severe and it just comes across the screen like Severe, and I was like looking. I was like, Man, "That's my DJ name." So I was like, "It just, it just hit." It just hit. I was like, "It's DJ Severe," and I've been DJ Severe ever since. Ever since. You talk ever. about the uh, you were in aerospace, so right. you you've had real jobs. Yes, yes. How do you balance the real job with the DJ? And at what point, what pushes you to leave the quote real job behind and go one hundred into DJ? You've got Rose City Sound. Right. At what point do you go full into that? Well, technically, I'm still doing it now. Um, the plan is for, as we've developed everything, the plan is to hopefully be 100% DJing before the start of next um, baseball season. Okay. Um, I've been doing it so long, and everybody's like, you do a lot. And i just been on this constant like hamster wheel of just like, knowing how to navigate through it. There was one time where at first um, I wasn't back in aerospace and I was doing other work. So I was, and I was working for the Dodgers. I was working for the galaxy. I was working for the rain. I was doing all these things. It was just sports all the time. And then um, I got the opportunity to go back into aerospace and I'm now a, um, a supervisor. So, and um, it's, they're very, they're very, uh, they give me a lot of leeway when it comes to, scheduling and different things so it's not like um i have to be there 100 percent of the time or they don't understand like the schedule and and it's like they they brought you they brought you in right right knowing it's like okay we we know you've got this but we need some of you yeah right we need some of you and so um but just um the constant grind it does wear on you and i'm up in age now so i need to like um manage my time better and be able to, I really just want to be DJ, play some golf during the, you know what I mean? Wake up, play some golf, what I mean, man. work out a little I mean, bit. You know what I mean? Um, that's what um, I did this morning, man. Just oh, did you? A, What'd you play? A quick nine at uh, oh. Vista Valencia down the street. Oh, hero. You're my hero. Just so I was like, yeah, oh my God. I, I dropped yeah. off the girls at school. So I, uh-huh. I, I put my golf clothes on before drop off. Right. right. I dropped them off and I go to the range and then I, I play the quick nine at the, uh, at the, at the pitch and putt. That is such. That is it was, it was such, a nice morning. It was yeah, a nice that's morning. Such a nice day. That's that's the that's the way you start your day off, man. You know what I mean? That's what I want to do. 
That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. So, you know, we, we talk about, you know, I dropped off my two daughters. They're ages six and eight. I know you've got four kids. Was it like right. three three daughters, one son? Three daughters, where, one son. Yeah. Where, where are their ages? Like, where, where are well, they all kind oldest, of? My oldest is 31. Lanisha, she's 31. 31? 31. Dude. 31. Dude. You Now, you mentioned you're getting up there in age. You brought up the 30. How, how old are you? I'm 53. No, you are not. I'm 53. I'm 53. Dude, born in 1968. If, if you if you at some point told me <laughs> that, okay, like let let's say you don't you know have any kids, so there's nothing right. really to kind of gauge like what your your age is. I would have guessed like early 30s. Yeah, early yeah, to mid 30s. That's what people tell me. I'm trying to hang on <laughs> and keep it up. I, I'm I'm hoping the secret hasn't been all this work I've been doing because if I slow down, then I'm then I'm. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, wait a like, minute. Oh, yeah. Whatever like, I've been doing is working. Yeah, whatever I've been doing, I got it. Like, and that's what everybody says. What have you been doing? I said, I've just been, and really, I just try to attribute it to um, just trying to have a good heart and good spirit and like put good like vibes out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even with my kids, um, um, I don't, I, I, each one has a different personality. And once you learn their personalities and you just, um, adapt to that like each one of my kids i just try to figure out what it is they're good at and then push them to it like my daughter i know she's she's not college but she'll figure her own self out and there she's um the one that calls me and gives me um way too much email information that i don't really like i have to like brace myself about a doctor visits because she tells me everything i'm like you're like, but you know I, what but, you can you can yeah, not share something you cannot share something but i know that's what she wants to do so i yeah. okay and then I have my my okay. So you got you got thirty one and thirty one, and then twenty eight yeah. Germany, and then she lives in Vegas and she's she's in real estate, and she's like um she's the one who says she's my favorite, which she probably is like my 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 favorite, but she won't. She says she's tell everybody, you know you're my favorite. So, but she's the one who just calls and is like dad, and she's the one who always checks on me. Yeah, Lanisha keeps me like in line or dad, I see what you're doing. Don't be doing this right. and stop doing this. Like she sees me on Instagram and dad, you look thirsty on Instagram. And then like, <laughs> so, yeah, like don't. she just keeps that one. Up, oh, right? she just keeps that like, oh my God. like going like, um, the other day she told me, she was like, uh, dad, some, I was, I did an event and I was, there was a lot of my favorite actors. And she's like that. Everybody can't be your favorite. I was like, so I said one of my favorite. She's like, that's not, you can't say that dad. I was like, yes, but, Literally, all these people I met, they are like, they're, I was they're in, in that group. That, they're in that group. So she'll keep me in check. Germany just, oh, she just wants to check on me, make sure I'm, I'm, I'm straight. Um, and then, and I know each one, I, I know how the text messages come each way. And you uh, be ready for this because it's like, you get that text message where it's like dad and nothing else after that. And you're like, okay, I know there's money coming like after this. So it's like dad. Yeah, there's either money or there's yeah, like yeah. something wrong. Something wrong. Yeah. Like that. And I'm like, okay, and I'll wait for it. Can you send me blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, that's, that's how the text messages go. Yeah. And then I have my son, who's 25, Jordan. I named him after Michael Jordan because yeah. I'm a huge Jordan and Bulls fan. So um, he's 25, and I just say he's the coolest person I know because I don't talk to him that much. He, and I know when I, when um, I just cherish the time when he comes around, but he's on his own thing. He's an artist. He's a dope artist. He does a lot of my graphics. He did the Rose City Sound that's up there. Um, he does um, just a lot of our content. But 
I don't even, I can't even reach out to him to get stuff done. I have to have Ricky, my manager, reach out to him to get stuff done to get it done. Because he'll just ignore me or like whatever. But he 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 brings me the best Father's Day gifts and always. <laughs> sometimes he's giving me advice like he's older than me, so I just take it in and I just like like roll with it. Um, then I have my youngest Peyton, who's um thirteen. The over the overshare. Oh no no over, no no Peyton's the youngest, and I'm just still trying to figure out what her what she's going to be. Right. Because I don't I haven't been able to tap into. She went to me. I did a um a Netflix um party. Yeah. Um and her eyes lit up when she saw like the production of movies like being made like and she said I want to be that. And I said, "Oh, you want to be a, a AP?" And I was like, "Okay, well, I know tons of people. I said, "We'll see if that's what if that's what drives you." So, I always look for things in my kids to say, "Okay, cuz everybody's not going to be a doctor or lawyer or this that, and the other or go to school." So, I've never been like, "Well, you have to go to school." I mean, cuz there's so many different ways to make it now. Oh. I just try to find out what they like yeah. and then help them whatever I can do to help them um, achieve what it is they 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 that they want. It's like grandma um, and grandpa have have asked like, hey, have you set up a college fund yet for the right. girls? And I'm like, no, right. no, right. no, I haven't. You know, I, I they have accounts, you know, right. and there's money in those accounts right. that right. But uh, to to earmark it specifically for college, I mean, just since I graduated in one college, the the importance of it has right. dwindled. Oh, definitely. You know, I can't. I can't imagine what it's going to be in the next, you know, ten to twelve years. Definitely, definitely. The way those jobs are like, you don't even know what. So many people are making money doing other things now. Yeah. That and then even, but I will say this: I wish that the schools put more emphasis on trades. Like when we went to high school, because you could go to wood shop or you go yep. to automotive. You know what I mean? Yep. And then for them to take the musical arts out of school. It, to me, is such a, a detriment to the kids because how are they going to express themselves like um, if it's not just through um, A's and B's and Coraline? It's like you got to have yeah. some other outlet. You need musical, you need music and, and acting classes. You need that for those people that are built for that. God hasn't stopped make hum, making human beings that will gravitate to that. And it's just like now we're just making everybody turn into this like um, sort of cookie cutter, no more this and no more that, which is crazy to me, you know? So somebody as driven as you are, you know, you've got your own business, you've got the DJ, which, you know, you, you're, you're on an Island, you know, that, that's, that's your thing. How do you balance all of that with, Oh, that's right. I, I also have to help raise these four kids. Right. And, you know, my, my dreams are important. You know, I need to take care of myself, but you know, at the, at the same time, I've got these four kids to right. take care of. Like, right. how do you find that balance? I, and again, I, I bounce off of them. Like I was, we just finished um, working probably seven days in a row. I did a Dallas Cowboys party on Saturday night because they're in town. And, but I had scheduled my daughter on Sunday was going to be me and my youngest because everybody else is all spread out. Um, and so we were going to go to Knott's because for Christmas, I bought everybody um, Knott's Berry Farm season passes. Even if you don't live here, it's like whenever you, Come, right. come here. Right. At least that's where we know we can all go. And I always never put pressure on them to go, okay, well, let's make it this time. It was funny because once we, um, during COVID, I got so busy, Ricky, my manager, scheduled an 11 a.m. Zoom meeting with my kids every Sunday. So we have to Zoom. That's, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we would tap in wherever we were. 
and then just talk about different things. And it was it it, it was it was one of the best things in the world because I would just sit there and then just to see all my kids, like you know, talking to each other. Um, and we just on whatever subject it wasn't like, well, we have to do this or we have to do that. But um, my daughter, my my oldest, she she works for um, a company that. Um, they go to the different cities for the disaster. So right now she's in New Orleans, okay. cleaning up there, yeah. and then like with my other one in in Vegas. So just all spread out. So trying to get them all at once is very hard. But I did pour in a lot of time, and I stressed to them like we were on a group chat too. I always send them text messages like, "Hey, I love you. Make good decisions today." You know what I mean? We're all in this. You know what I mean? Just to keep that constant. And I always listen out. I try to make sure that I tell them. I said, if you call me with an emergency, there's four of you guys. I said, so I have to put you in levels of your emergency. If you like, you know, orange, red, I have to, I, have to, I said, so I'm like, if I have to tell you, well, your sister called me, but she's orange right now. I, I gotta, I gotta take care of that. But I always make sure to that. I, I'm always a man of my word with them. And I always try to do what I say I'm going to do, which is, especially for my daughters, you try to show them what a dad should be and how a husband should treat them or Someone significant, and I never want them to feel like, "Oh, my dad, like, uh, let me down." I always, yeah. even though I make mistakes, and if I make mistakes, I say, "Hey, I'm sorry, I dropped the ball." Um, if I do it, just don't be, don't, don't be so hard on me. But if I do it consistently, to just let me know, because I really yeah. want that. Um, but my youngest, we were supposed to hang out this yesterday, and she was like, "Dad, I want to do something else." I'm like, "Okay, cool." I don't put the, I just kind of like go with the flow. I don't put the pressure on her to be like, "No, you have to do, you know, this and the other." It's just like, no. Okay, cool. If you want to do something else, because you're 13, so I understand. But I try to make it so um, I spent enough time with them in the beginning that at least they have those good memories with me, and they know when we get together that that's that's what it's built on. Sometimes they do complain, though. Dad, you're always busy. You're always busy, especially my daughters. You're always busy. You're always busy. I'm like, yeah, but when you call me for $300, that's why I'm always busy. Yeah, yeah. if you didn't need 300 bucks every other week. Right, if you didn't need maybe- 300 bucks. Maybe I wouldn't be so busy. Maybe I'd be so busy. So it's like, okay, you want the three hundred dollars? We're a little bit busy, and in the summer, and then the winter, we do things. Or you want, you know what I mean? You got to pick and choose. It's yeah. Like there's, you know, and that's why I say I'm always trying to represent you to show, and that's one thing that they all have is a drive to sustain themselves and keep themselves busy, no matter what it is. And I, I like to hope that I was that I'm that example, like for them. Uh, going back to the idea of you know, admitting to our kids, hey, I'm human, I make mistakes. Uh, was that always part of your your makeup or did you kind of have to evolve into that as a person and as a father? Because I've only in the last couple of years taken on that responsibility of of like, hey, I, I, I made this mistake, I'm sorry. Uh, like you said, if, if, if you at some point, and I'm empowering my daughters to, trust me with their feelings about how I'm handling situations. Right. You know, if, right. if you know, I, I just the other day, I, I said, you know what? Because I, I, I was, uh, I was just kind of in a bad place mentally and just life-wise for the first, you know, half of their lives, right. if, if not more. And just the other day we were driving, I, I kind of paused the music and I was like, Hey, you know what? I, I I'm, I'm sorry, by the way, for, yelling as much as I did or, or, or snapping at you as much as I did for a long time. If I get to the point where I'm doing that again, or you don't 
quite like how I'm handling a situation, just tell me and we'll talk about right. it. Right. You know, but I had to right. evolve into that. What about you? Right. Did, was that something where it was like, this was just always me and now I'm just talking about it with my kids? No, I again, going back to my stepfather who was a huge influence on me, he would, he always led by example and wasn't that person like, I'm the man. That's, you know, he just kind of just led by example. So, a lot of the things I didn't understand about him until now, um, they've been imparted in me. And of course, we all have our own past and we're all going to make mistakes because we're all human. Um, uh, me and my oldest, we had we used to, we had a rough relationship for a while because of some different things that went on yeah. with her mother. And I could just, I, whenever I would try to over-explain that they didn't happen, I could see that it didn't process well with her because... She couldn't process it. So one day I told her, I said, you know what? I said, look, from this day forward, I'm not going to try. If you want to, whatever you believe happened, that's what happened. I said, I'm going to say I'm sorry for it. But moving forward, this is going to be this way. And if you just let me work from this day forward, I promise you, I will not let you down. I said, we're going to let that pass, like be the past. And once I realized that, because it was like I was, um, mentally just driving myself crazy like right. this stuff didn't really happen and so um, I don't know throughout the years and I think it's because it, I've worked in so many industries and dealt with so many people that I learned the value of just saying you know what I messed up and I, it probably was the first time when I learned that because we all grow up and we're like ah, I'm, I'm going to skirt out of that one I'm not going to own up to that one but oh, then totally yeah. when you see the when you see the value in yourself and owning up to something when you make a mistake and the, and the value of that relationship, especially if you value that, value that relationship. Um, I think it has, also has something to do with, my, with music and the type of music I listen to and then just dealing with people. I, I believe that like DJs see the best and the worst of people when you're DJing parties because people that come and make requests to you, to me, it, it seems like it's a, it's a, it's, it's the the shadow of the world because you get those people that come up and they make these requests and you can tell them when they when they when they make a request and it's all about them you know what I mean you can tell the selfish people the people who just want to make every you know what I mean right, and so you, right. you get you get every version of every human when you're like a DJ and it's like so you see how the world is in the shape that it is in now but I just learned to try and be accept the things that happen and then just like own up to them as, 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 as soon as possible, especially if I know that someone's not dealing with me that way. And I know how it like bothers me. Yeah. I have a real big problem now with people um, that hear something and don't verify. They just go off of what they heard and then have their feelings based off of that. And I find myself telling people asking times, did you, why do you didn't think to just, like talk to me and ask me because the number one thing I always tell my kids is whenever they meet, whenever, whenever I introduce them to somebody in the industry or that I have worked for, they, the um, people always say the same thing. Your dad is a solid cat. And that's more than anything. What I want them to always hear when I introduce them to somebody, they say, I, and it's, 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 it's just like clockwork. As soon as they meet somebody, they pull my kids to the side and say, I really love your dad. Your dad is a solid cat. He's always, been there he's always done this and this is why i have this rolodex of like people that 
I want to keep that going, not for my own, but just to be, if, if when I'm gone, if everybody just says how solid of a dude I was, that's what it, that's what it means yeah. to me. So yeah. I do it, I do it more so, so that I hope my kids, like, even if they don't have an example, they remember what everybody yeah, it's told the legacy, everybody, right? Everybody told my dad, everybody that I met told my dad, he was really like, told me he was really solid. And so maybe if I look at the things that he did, that's why he was, you know, was solid. Cause I said, no one's ever coming to me like oh, I hate your dad. He's like, you know what I mean. But I, I try to make, I try to make those relationships yeah. like stick. I'm big on that, you know what I mean. And I wish everybody else was was um, just as big on that. We wouldn't be in the place that we're in now because everybody needs somebody. Everybody can kind of go through some different things, and somebody just sometimes people just want to hear, "I'm sorry, I messed up." Like I'm, I'm sorry. If, I don't, I'm human, you know. If if you didn't already mention your age, um we both dated ourselves because you said Rolodex and I knew exactly what that was. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Tell me about the evolution of Rose City Sound. How did it begin? Okay. And tell me about all the different things you guys have your fingers into now. Okay. So Rose City Sound came about actually right at the beginning of COVID. So, um, Dodgers didn't start. We didn't know where it was going. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to have a team. I've had, I always wanted a manager and I also like putting, I was just like, a. Uh, I always want admire people who have solid people around them because you're only as good as your team is. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And so first it started where yeah, ask, Mike, ask Mike Trout. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So COVID hit and we went into this, like everybody went into the spiral. Okay. Well, what do we do? And so I sat around, I said, okay, well, I was still working in aerospace cause we were, we had to go to work. And so, but there was no DJ nobody knew what was, what was going to be. And so I brought on Ricky as my manager, who's a great manager who keeps me on point. Um, and we just started doing the lives. I said, okay, I want to do lives. I don't want to be on all the time. I just want to come on and yep. then yep. create a lane to kind of uplift people. And we did one Sunday where we did like, um, a gospel, I did all gospel or uplifting music and my aunts were coming on and just all these different people. And we, she had been, on my team for a minute and then so she started meeting other different people like um we started doing things for um shop me vita which is a which is a latin-based clothing company yep in in in, in la and so we did their lives so we were doing fma friday so we started bridging the black and the latin communities and the white communities like just all coming together on music and at the time then the dodgers foundation called us and we started doing the foundation food giveaways and then Yasiel Pui, his people call us, and we start doing their giveaways. And before you know it, we have like 56 weeks in a row um, in Rose City doing, doing lives for Family Friday. 56 weeks in a row, you, and it was just like a constant. And yeah. um, as, we would, as it got a little bit looser and we go out and do stuff, people would come up to me and they would go, okay, your lives really got me through the time I was going, it was uplifting and I had had a terrible accident and I was in the hospital and I was listening to your, to your mixes and it just like, like got me through. And so within 
bringing on Ricky as my manager, I got um, just this team of people that came together. I have my content guy, which is Ray. I have um, Nestor and Bartley, who are my who are my sound men. I have um, Natalie and Mike. And then so at the time, Mike is a who our brother Ricky's brother is a, is a guitar player. He was building a studio, and he he wanted to do different things and told us to take over the studio. So we built the studio where we started doing our lives from there. And just we all, my DJ friends, we just kind of came together, and I was telling them, come out, feel the vibe, come out, feel the vibe. And we're in Ontario, and I had DJs coming from, like, L.A. So I just used, again, that Rolodex of people, and then I wanted to make sure that they saw me first because I wanted them to see the vision, not just try to tell them the vision. Right. And I would just invite them out to the studio, and then um, they would hang out, and the first thing they say is coming is, like, the vibe in here is so good. And it was needed because everybody goes through different things within this COVID time that we're going through. Some people are, are sheltered in, some people don't want to come out. And so we just try to make it welcoming for what, wherever your, wherever your stance is on it or how you feel, we just want to make it comfortable. So, but within that, we've created our, our merch, our Rose City Sound merch. Um, we've produced a couple tracks. We've, um, we have just visions. We want, I want to, I want to make it like tiny desk on steroids where we just, like you never know who's gonna come in on the lives. Right. We're we're hopefully gonna continue producing music and doing some different things. We actually um one of our content people, Jess, who works for me at 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 Dodgers, she produced this dope documentary that was around COVID and the whole civil unrest that was going on. Yeah. So she was filming me at doing the foundation gigs. She was going out to the protest. So she has all this like dope com- content of what's coming together, and then it's just like a documentary of everything that happened because we were going through so many different things: civil unrest, COVID, all these different feelings, and we were just—it was funny to see that we're just like capturing like all of that within like this crazy time frame that we're in, and trying to just be together, and then just bring humans together, and then just being nice to each other. But the team. Is great, and everyone just came aboard. Because at the time, nobody was making money, so it was like, and everyone on the team said, "Look, I just want to be a part of it. I'm not really about right. the money. I just want to be a part of it." Um, yeah, and the, the, the money will come later. Right, the money will come from later. this venture or something, right. you know, down the road. Right. Yeah. And so we just been remained a solid team, and we just been building ever since. And like I said, I I'm only as strong as my team is, and I appreciate my team so much. I appreciate all the work that Ricky does. I appreciate everybody because it's it's. It's a lot. Now, the funny thing is, like, with everything that was managing, Ricky always says, well, I don't know how you were, like, like doing this because there's a, there's a lot because at any point in time, there's four requests a day coming in for something yeah. that we have to do. And she's like, just give it to me. So I was like, now she can't believe, like, how many different things, like, <laughs> come in. And it's only getting it's, – it's, it's it, gets, it gets more and more, like, every year yeah. organically. You know what I mean? Not yeah. – going out and looking for it but organically it just grows and grows and grows well and grows. i mean just you know i i messaged you asking you know to come on the podcast after we we hung out with uh with jake right. uh right. big brother jake at, at dodger stadium and you're like you know uh, i'll have you know i'll have ricky get a hold of you or whatever like that and then you know she asked for my social security number date of birth and, you know, <laughs> passport and all, all kinds of stuff right, I, right, I, right. and i get it i get it you know we've got to jump through hoops right right got to jump right. through the hoops Right. But uh, I mean, just the idea, like you said, you you at some point you need to look around 
and be okay with delegating stuff. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. It, it, your shoulders are broad. Yes. But we still need God to help us. Yes. Our shoulders are broad. Yes. But we still need a manager. We still need right. somebody by our side to, if nothing else, bounce ideas off of, let alone yes. schedule stuff. Yes. Yes. And that's the one thing I'm good at. It's like, I'm not, you know, although I'm at the top, it's like, I'll take all the ideas and let's try it and let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. But I, I'm also big on telling people like, look, I'm, I would never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do or haven't already done right. in this in this business. So I appreciate the fact that people come in and say, hey, um, we don't really need to get paid right now. Because I understand when I first started out as a DJ, I wasn't getting paid that much or paid at all. I was just trying to get in it. But everyone sees the vision and knows what's coming. And I'm just so happy that it's come together organically as it is. And the phone doesn't stop ringing and everything keeps coming. Because it's really, it's a really good feeling. We're tired and exhausted, but it's a really good feeling. Yeah. Um, at, at some point, you do need to say no to some things. Right. How difficult is that for you? Well, that's what Ricky does now. <laughs> <laughs> because she knows you can't. Yeah. So she she, she knows it. that if she left it up to you, you'd say yes to everything, yeah, and then yes she'll have everything. to figure it out. Right. So I just, that's why I'm okay, fine. You want everything? You tell them like, like you tell them no, you tell them no. And that's what, and then she tells you, and I go, okay, all right. All right. And there, there's sometimes where I say, you sure you don't want it? And she's like, nope, we're not doing it. I'm like, okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. How difficult was it to trust somebody the way you have to trust Ricky and the rest of your team to, you know, because yeah, you're, you, you know, you're the face, you're at the top, all right. that stuff, right. but you've got a gatekeeper. You know, you have to trust that gatekeeper. How how difficult was it? It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't like that difficult because, um, I, it's almost like I used to tell my son when my I when my son was coming up, um, I didn't give him a curfew. I just said like, look, just hang out. I said, but I'm watching you. Like I'm. I don't think I don't have my like my right. eye on you. Right. And I would look up, and my son would be coming in at four in the morning on Tuesday. I'm like, dude, I gave you open, but. On a Tuesday? Like, why are you, you know what I mean? Why are you coming in at 4 in the morning on a Tuesday? Like, that just doesn't, that's, that, you're not going to succeed that way. And so, even with this, like, I'll watch the moves that we make from afar. And I'll give everybody, like, leeway to see. Because without making the mistakes, I had to make the mistakes. So, you have to learn to make the mistakes. And lots of times, I can see when a hiccup is coming. But I want to, I want it to play itself out. Yes, Especially if yes. it's not so detrimental that it's going to ruin anything. Now, if it's going to be detrimental, I'll step in and I'll say this. And, um, it comes in with handling certain um, clients now because there's I had tons of clients where they were used to dealing with me. And then now that I say, well, you have to talk to Ricky, some people get like, well, we've been like, I've been communicating with you for like years. Why do I have to talk to them now? And I try to tell them, I said, look, I was like, this is my business partner. This is my manager. I've entrusted her to do everything. But I've also explained to her our relationship and how important our relationship is. So although there might be a point in between, you're still going to get the same service, but also understand there's a lot of mouse fees and other things we do. And it's just, this is going to make that part of the process like better and going to her. And so um, I like to have her learn all those different um, just emotions and different things that comes with it. But I'm always watching, but at the same time, I want everybody who works to feel confident that if they come to me with a, idea or with uh, something that we need to be done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like take it in and that's what we're going to do. And I, I'm, I'm going to give you the leeway to take yeah. it over and do certain things. It's like my, my, I tell my students at Cal State Northridge, like, I, I'm not going to let you fail. Right. But 
I, I want you to fall. I'm going to let you fall. Right. I'm, I'm not really always going to be there to catch you when you right. fall, but I'll be there to pick you up. Right. I'll be there to, you know, brush you off, explain what happened. You can tell me what happened and we can figure out, okay, well, right. how, how can we next time either right. not fall, not fall as hard, right. maybe fall in a different spot, you know, and, and that learning experience. And I try to, I try to do this with uh, my girls and man, it is, it is tough knowing, you know, okay, there's, there's an obstacle ahead. Right. They don't see it. They don't see it. But right. I need them to just figure it out. Right. And that, that is, that's the toughest, man. Oh, it's definitely the toughest. That's the toughest. When you, you can see them going yep. in, a, in a way and you're like, but then you're like, okay, I got to let them like learn this lesson, which is another reason. When I drop my, when I drop my daughter off every day, I say, I say, I love you. Make good decisions. Because I always want her to hear that in her head. Before she does something, which she's going to do something, yeah. at least she say, my dad said, make good decisions. So I got a chance to make a good decision. Because I, and you hope to God that as they're 13, as they're growing up, they keep hearing that. And then they stop making like the bad decisions. But I also let you know, even if you make a bad decision, I'm going to be there to pick it up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to be there. I might be pissed, but just understand that's the reason why I'm pissed because I wanted you to make good decisions. But I also know that in life, things happen. Yep. And I tell my, like I tell my son, can you just please like listen to me enough? Like if I'm if I'm pulling your coattail on something, then I'm probably more experienced and I'm only trying to help to save you some heartache that either I've witnessed or I've gone through myself because you haven't. This is nothing brand new. We've all everybody goes through a cycle where you thought oh, I'm more smarter than my parents or they, yep. they don't understand yep. this part of it. No. We've all been through the same things, and that's another good thing that that I try to say. I always try to put whatever happens to them. I always try to put myself back in that age for them. So if my daughter's thirteen, I always take me back to my thirteen-year-old self and say, "Okay, you can understand it." And then that's how you try to explain it to them, like in in different ways. Always be able to go back to yourself and say, "You kind of understand that," especially if it's something similar to what you did. And this, the sooner you can do that that's when you'll kind of be able to kind of like more understand and then be a little more flexible, but they're all, we're all going to have those moments yep. where they do something messed up. You get that call in the middle of the night, you got to go over, you know what I mean? It's just, but the quicker you just put yourself back in that position and then go, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Let's just get through it and, to, and get the learning lesson. Let me get um, a couple of those boom boxes. When you find, you know, yes. those, those, those vintage, those antiques, Kick me one of those. It's got to have a dual tape deck with a CD, yes. and and then I could give it to them, and then they could see what it was like. Exactly. Gr- exactly. That's because <laughs> right now they just tell Alexa. Oh they yeah. Just tell, yeah. Alexa, play Alexa, Count on yeah. Me. Play Sunday Best. Yeah. They don't know. They don't know. They don't it's know. like we talk about music. It's like I have this great vinyl collection here, but it's like, and then I hear I heard uh, one of my favorite rappers, Fonte, say, like now people just they they don't have their how do you pass down a music legacy anymore? It's like on a hard drive. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't have all this, but my kids appreciate this. They come in. Like when I hear my kids like playing like Tribe Called Quest, I'm like, I did oh, my job. Man. You know what I mean? I did my job. Validation. Oh, yeah. Yes. This validation. You know that what I mean? Nice. And then when they send me, dad, you should check this out. And this, they know what I like or if, if it's something new. Because my daughter always sends me, dad, you should check this out. And dad, you should check this out. And I always tell them like, this is dope. And I'll never tell them, Oh, that's trash. You know what I mean? I just take everything <laughs> in and like listen to it. You know what I mean? Because I'm yeah. trying to see what they what they like, and I'm trying to see what I put in them 
of why they yeah. why they like this. You know what I mean? Um, but that's for me. That's some of the best validation ever for them for them to be playing my music for them to appreciate like my music and then still want to hang out with me because my kids still want to hang out with me, which is like um, which is dope to me. That like, is cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's so dope. And we'll and we'll be hanging out and then the, <laughs> we'll be at a in line or something and they'll say dad and everybody goes that's your dad like you know what I mean because the age thing because when I'm with my daughter looks like that's who I'm like dating but then they go dad and they're like oh you know what I mean <laughs> that's, I didn't uh, even think about that of course oh it's crazy you, because you look early to mid 30s yes. and you've yes. got <laughs> yes that is so I'm telling you it's think crazy about that. it's so crazy just to be saying she go dad and then and then they they have no problem calling me out laughing you know and just like yeah. and then saying yeah. it and then honestly my oldest when she says dad each and each person says dad in such a different way it's like music to my ears and i tell all the time i say i love when you call me like like dad because it sounds cool. so it sounds so good especially from where our relationship was at one point in time for to for it to be and hear dad and it's just like uh, it's like music to me. even though i know it might be some chastising from in her way coming like from behind it but um kids are the best man and you just got to cherish your time and then like just enjoy them you know it's good to get to know you man i appreciate uh, i appreciate the time and uh, thanks ricky for a little bit of extra time. I think she's I booked only a half hour and, and she's probably It's going like an hour, man. <laughs> Tell them to just stop it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, can, can I tell you something, man? Yeah. Your name your name is so dope. You should be a, a rapper. Aaron Bender, you know how dope that name is? <laughs> the new we got the newest Aaron Man, come on. You know how dope your name is? Like Aaron Bender. Like I appreciate that. That is man, so man. dope, bro. That I is so dope. And I yeah, that. and I, I'm a a big fan, and then even with like Jake coming on the team, it's like so many great things coming, and I, I admire you so much, dude, and I appreciate that. Thank you, uh, brother. I really admire you. Yes, brother. I yes. appreciate that. Yes. I appreciate that. We'll talk soon. This will come out soon. Yeah. I, thanks, man. Yes. Have a good one, bro. You can watch this episode on YouTube and DBNA TV. Follow the Aaron Bender podcast on your favorite platforms and link to it at AaronBender.com. That's also where you can find all my social media. If you have guest ideas or comments, email me, AaronBenderMedia at gmail.com. Be well, and thanks for listening.